Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Castor, here with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. And Bird, we're continuing our mock draft season. We're going. Mock draft number two, baby. Let's go. Mock draft episode two. So. How you doing, Mr. Castor? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Uh, You know, doing the same things as before. I actually... I've still been playing, uh, you know, Ace Attorney, the game I was talking about before. And, you know, there's a very interesting wrinkle in it where your client turned out to actually be the murderer. And the, the client, your client that you're defending turned out to actually be the murderer. Or at least he hired Yikes. the he hired an assassin to murder this person. And the assassin is holding your assistant hostage. So... And, like, the conditions are that you get a not guilty verdict for your client, who is actually the murderer. And then you'll rele- your assistant gets released. So the whole conflict of the game is like, oh, so do I fight for the si- on the side of justice or do I try and save my assistant? And then it's like a whole thing where you try and prolong the trial to get the police to try and find her. And then... It turns out that um, something happens where, like, the the person that hired the assassin, your client, was recording the assassin for blackmail. And the assassin doesn't like that, so he canceled the contract between the two of them and let your assistant go free. So then you were able to get your guilty verdict. And that's what it was. That is fascinating. Yes, it's very fascinating. It's very long-winded. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Are you uh, Are you excited to uh, still be uh, in quarantine for what is looking like the uh, next month? Not necessarily. No. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think anybody is. I mean, I'll concede that I was kind of excited to start with, just to be home for a while to catch up on my backlog of video games and stuff like that. But now, now I just don't. Don't want this to go on any longer. No, I am. Uh, I am done. I I am uh, very, very, very done. This is. Uh, it's it's no uh, no time for uh, for fun and games anymore. This uh, this this truly sucks. But everyone, continue to stay inside. Continue to practice safe dis- safe social distancing and quarantine, and make sure to keep washing your goddamn hands. Because if you don't, we'll have to stay in here for longer. Bingo. And I think everyone wants their summer. Yeah. So, everyone, keep doing what you're doing, please. So anyway, Bird, we have some news and notes here. And it's actually pretty exciting as opposed to last podcast. Yes. Where we talked about places, people and organizations dying. This is this is cool. This is great news. The Cleveland Browns released new uniforms. We talked about the Falcons last week. My phone just fell. We talked about the Cleveland Browns last week. Or we talked about the Atlanta Falcons last week. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well last week who released new uniforms. And for one team, 
it was a great return to what made their uniforms great. And for another team, it looked like arena football. And Cleveland, they were on the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers side where they went basically went back to their, their old style, which is, which is great. I mean, it's classic. It's like, it's like the, the New York Giants uniforms or the Green Bay Packers uniforms. Like you wouldn't go through a change like that for something so iconic. So what do you think, Bird, initially? Initial thoughts? Well, initially, I think I think they look good. I, I, I do appreciate the more um, the more retro look with a little twist of modern trendiness, as, as the kids say. Um, I think the one thing that I saw on Twitter that I really uh, – that I think a lot of people were very uh, – very not so eh on – was the fact that the Browns just then decided that they weren't going to go for their uh, their orange slacks, their, the orange pants that they have decided to get rid of those, and that was a uh, a very very unpopular opinion amongst uh, those that chimed in on the Cleveland Browns uh, uniform switch on the Twitter. Uh, but hey, me personally, I, I I liked it. Anything is better than what they had, and uh, it's going back to the uh, to what they call back to tradition for the uh for the Cleveland Browns. So I'm uh I'm a I'm a big fan of uh of the the uh the jersey swap. So next up we're going to talk about something that is no longer breaking news but we have not talked about it yet. It's Brandon Cooks. He got traded. We kind of it was funny cuz it was like we were tempting fate here when uh, on a couple episodes, a couple episodes ago, I was saying, well, you know, we haven't really heard anything about Brandon Cooks, the Brandon Cooks trade rumors. I wonder if those things, those uh, talks are still happening. And then while Bird was editing the podcast, because of course it was while I was editing the podcast, just, just for what it's worth, because of course, yeah, Brandon Cooks gets traded, and who does he get traded to, Bird? The Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien. Woo! The Houston Texans. This, this is so dumb. <laughs> oh my god! They didn't even honestly. They didn't even get a first round pick. Well, or they didn't. Well, they couldn't have traded a first round pick for him because they, they didn't get one. a first round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, and then they decided to trade a second round pick for Brandon Cooks. And now they don't have a second round pick or a first round pick. No, they do. Oh, they, they do. do. They have a second. They, they have their. Uh, they have the Cardinals second round pick. Oh. Well, actually, that's a good pick for as far as second rounders go. But, yeah, early in the second round. But still. But. I, I. Here, Bird, you want to. You want to take this or you want, or you want me to? You want to play a quick game of Would You Rather? <laughs> sure. Would you rather have. I'm a big fan. Would you rather have Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb and Will Fuller and Kenny Stills or DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Stills and Will Fuller? Uh, I will take uh, DeAndre Hopkins and crew. There you go. There's your answer. I mean, I mean, when that first came out, my initial reaction was, all right, Brandon Cooks is just being traded again. Then it turned into more of, wait a minute, they're giving up a second round pick 
when they could use their two second-round picks to improve their football team, which they have to do. And they could spend one of those second-round picks on a receiver that they like in a, the deepest receiver class that there's probably been in the history of the fucking league. It, 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 I have been a defender of Bill O'Brien before before all of this. I, I thought he is a I think he's a good coach for what it's worth. I think he, he is a good coach, but he's making it real hard to continue to defend him. I mean I can't defend him anymore as a GM, but in terms of defending just Bill O'Brien flat out, coach, GM, judge, jury, executioner, ooh, he's making it real hard. He is making it real, 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 real hard. I mean what is he thinking? What What is he thinking? What he's thinking is, I'm going to double down on my terrible mistake by trying to get back an, uh, another number one wide receiver. But also, Is he a number one, though? Not really. I mean, he's a 1A. Exactly. I wouldn't even say he's a 1A. I guess he's a 1B, more like. I mean, I mean look, look, I, I look at all of the... All of the receivers that are in that offense right now, Cooks, Fuller, Kiki QT, Randall Cobb, Kenny Stills, who in the fuck is their number one there? I, I mean, I guess just based on I, I guess based on talent and, and what we've seen lately, I mean, I guess it's Will Fuller, but you can't trust him to stay healthy. That's true. So it's just like you have you have five receivers for three spots that – how are you going to play? How are you going to get them all on the field unless you're giving up on Kiki QT, unless you're assuming that Will Fuller is not going to play? And I don't know. I I, I might just take all the, uh, the, 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 the size that have just happened in the span of the last five minutes. We're talking about this uh, – this trade and I might put them in a montage just because of just I, I have I have nothing really to say further. I mean I, I I feel I thought it was bad being a Cowboys fan just because you're just, you know, hyped up every single year and then just let down at the end. Texans fans, they're just let down before the season even starts. And the funny thing is they've only been around for like almost 20 years like 18 it's years it's crazy it's crazy that anybody who really what this has come down to is it's just it's bill belichick on crack where anybody who doesn't conform with what bill o'brien and his overall program is you're gone he did it with Jadeveon Clowney. he did it with deandre hopkins i mean he, he just he just wants guys that are gonna fall in line and, and do what they're told to do. He just he's, he's not looking to win because if he was looking to win, he would keep DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. I mean this is this is unchecked power is what this is. It is. It it is. He's 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 not Bill Belichick. He's not he he, he, has, he hasn't proven anything that he hasn't proven that he can have this power. At least Bill Belichick when he came to New England, he had Super Bowl rings with the when he was defensive coordinator with the Giants. Correct. And he had a solid assistant coaching stint when he was with the Jets 
I mean, they went to the AFC Championship game in in uh, 1998. They they were 12 and four. He was he learned under one of the best coaches of all time in Bill Parcells, and one of the best coach GMs of all time in Bill Parcells. Let me add that. So he knows what he's doing. Bill O'Brien does not. Well, I can I could say this if you're if if anybody's looking for a reason to defend Bill O'Brien. Maybe one of the things that you could go for is DeAndre Hopkins was probably looking to be the highest paid receiver in the league. And last year, he definitely did have a down year. He said he wanted to go the season without a drop. I believe he had four or five in the first half in week one. His yards per catch were also down by around two yards from 2018 to 2019. So that is also definitely a cause for for concern a little bit, but... I mean, it, it, look, I don't think anybody would have had a problem if you decided to trade DeAndre Hopkins if you got a haul for him. It's true. If you got David Johnson, you got a first-round pick, you got another mid-round pick involved, then I guess people would understand it, and you would say, okay, you, ha- you have a running back that could be in for a bounce-back season in 2020, you get a first-round pick, which you then can go and invest in your football team, and then you have another mid-round pick, which you can go and then invest and continue to grow this team. Then I think people would say, okay, fine. That's more acceptable. But as we know, Bill O'Brien complete, completely undersold the return. And now it looks like that Bill O'Brien just didn't want Hopkins to be a part of the program. And instead of trying to trade one of the top three or four receivers in the league, he decided to dump them, quite frankly. Right. So here's the other thing. Like, you know, the act of trading DeAndre Hopkins is, you can defend it, as as you just said, you can defend that, but the return is indefensible. The return is indefensible, correct. When you have zero first-round picks in this draft. Correct. Correct. Because you traded... You ho- yeah. You hold on to DeAndre Hopkins until you get a first-round pick for him. I, I would I would bet that if Bill O'Brien did his due diligence and shopped DeAndre Hopkins to the 30 other teams outside of the Arizona Cardinals, I can guarantee you, guarantee that someone would have offered a first-round pick for him. The New York Jets, the New York Jets probably would have. I would listen. If I would have given up a, the 11th overall pick for DeAndre Hopkins, well. We talked about this, I believe, on uh, on the program. I believe that we, we had discussed that if the Texans came to the Jets and said, Le'Veon Bell and a second-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, you would take that in a heartbeat, correct? I would. Okay. I would. I, I, I think if, if the Texans came to Dallas and said, Ezekiel Elliott and a second-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, I would think about it, but I would say, all right, maybe. Maybe just because you have that long contract now with Zeke, which could end up being a problem down the road. But then again, I think there there are about maybe with the exception of the Saints. Oh, dear God. The, I just imagined DeAndre Hopkins and Amari Cooper in the same offense. Oh, Santa Maria. I, I would I would imagine the the Saints, the Panthers, the Giants, and the Vikings are probably the only teams— and maybe the Browns, too, with Nick Chubb. But probably the only teams that I could think of off the top of my head right now, just basic brainstorming, 
that would not deal their running back at a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I mean, oh, Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien. Rick Smith is probably just like, I worked so hard to make this team. Yeah. And Bill O'Brien worked so hard, worked so hard to make this team and then see this team just fall apart. And then Reggie McKenzie comes up to him and is like, join the fucking club. I hope to, well, the Raiders are on track. Credit to Mike Mayock and John Gruden, two great guys. But Bill O'Brien just is, he's, he's in over his head for, for sure. Well, I mean, mean, John Gruden traded away the two great players that Reggie McKenzie drafted. So that's kind of why I was. Uh, yes, but, but John Gruden also got a hell of a return on both of them. That is true. So. That's one thing. You know, if, you, if you're if you going to dismantle parts of an old regime to get your guys in and have your group of guys that you want, you better get a whole bounty of picks for those guys. And John Gruden did that. And they had three so, first-round picks last draft. Correct. Exactly. So they did it, they did it the right way, whereas the Texans – we don't need to talk about this anymore. We can we can move we on. Can. <laughs> but you know, speaking of the the uh, the western part of the U.S., one of the I guess he was he the center the center of the uh, Los Angeles Rams, Brian Allen. Yeah, he's a center, correct. He tested positive for COVID nineteen. He's the first active NFL player to test positive. Uh, members of the Chargers also tested positive. For COVID-19, which is probably related, considering that they share facilities. At least, well, they're next door to each other, is what I is what I mean. But this, I mean, this is very sad news. I hope, hopefully, he uh, makes a speedy recovery, a full recovery from this disease, because no, I would not wish this on my worst enemy. Not even close. I mean, even... Even when James Dolan got it, I was still very sad. I still wish I still wish him a, a speedy recovery. So, yeah, hopefully Brian Allen feels better. Hopefully he does he follows the, the proper precautions, stays home, doesn't give it to anybody else, and hopefully this his recovery doesn't require a visit to the hospital. So this was uh, this was hyped up all day yesterday that Jake Glazer had a uh, had a bomb that he was going to deliver on uh, Fox Football Now at 11 uh, p.m. Eastern on Fox on FS1. No free advertising. And um, everybody thinks they're woes. Everybody. Well, y- exactly. And I mean, there are people. I- I- we'll talk. I'll talk about that after. But. Um, it was the first thing that Jake Glazer started with. He said it was, you know, national groundbreaking news and um, that he came and said that Brian Allen had uh, had COVID-19. He had contracted it um, about two or three weeks ago and then got it again. So he's had it twice. And basically now from what Jay Glazer was saying, uh, the first round of the NFL draft next week that Thursday is when Brian Allen is is in the clear, but basically the symptoms that he was talking about that Brian Allen has had was he basically just woke up one morning and he had no sense of smell. Uh, his hearing was very off. His sense of taste, he can only feel texture, 
Uh, he wasn't really feeling any, you know, sensible taste or anything like that. And the doctors have basically told him that your sense of smell may not come back for the next six to eight months. So, um, but he has already said that he started to regain that a bit. So that is obviously very good news. And of course, we wish Brian Allen all the best in his uh, in his recovery. But you know, hearing that and the little bit that I did hear, um, you know, that's that's some that's some scary shit. Um, but it was a little. I mean, I thought it was a little distasteful that Jake Laser kind of used that to get a headline out of it. I, I don't know if I'm being if I'm being you know too much or if I'm too old school with that, but. That's just that's just my opinion that I think Jake Glazer used a uh, used this to get a cheap headline out of it. Well, I think this is this is solid. This is pretty big news though because it shows that you can get COVID nineteen twice. Correct. It's it it is big news, but at the same but at the same time, you know the big news that you're sitting on for twenty four hours is that the first NFL player has COVID and you decide to break it just to hype up a show. That's true. I mean, that's pretty scummy. That's the that that's the part that's distasteful for me. Because I mean, people could have really used that information. Doctors could have used that information. That is one hundred percent correct. And, pe- and honestly, the people working around the clock to make a vaccine for this thing could have used that information. You can get this thing twice. And now that Jake Laser decided to own this for twenty four hours just to promote a show. And it's, it's it's not a good look. It's not a good look. But that's but that's just me. I know other people will have um, different thoughts and opinions um, that maybe Jake Laser did us a very good thing by coming forward and, and breaking that news. But me personally, I feel like you know if that's it's either you it's either you say it, you get it out there with of course the player's consent to you know get it out there. Or you just don't do it at all and let the player do it on his own. Right, exactly. Because I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. use that as as promo material. You know, I mean, there there are ways to fish for content, and that is not one of them. Correct, correct. That's a that's a real life uh, serious situation that Jake Laser, I guess, kind of made a mockery out of. But again, what do I know? Right. So, but I'm glad we agree. Yeah, I'm, I am. I am glad that we agree. I definitely. I mean, we're both journalists here. We both know journal journalist ethics in this scenario, and when, especially during a public health crisis, that you really shouldn't be holding on to this information and using it as promo material for your for your uh, sports talk show. Correct, but we we also have seen in terms of our uh, our particular field, uh, we have also seen the um, the very best and the very worst uh, that comes with the world of reporting and journalism uh, during all of this. So, yep. Oh boy. So before this gets any more depressing, let's move on to the main part of the podcast. Yes, please. And that is the second part of our mock draft. Very excited Woo-hoo. for this. Woo-hoo. Because we are starting with my favorite team, the New York Jets at eleven. I so I, I was gonna say um, before we uh, before we jump in and talk about the Jets. Uh, do you want to read off your previous top ten, and I'll read out my previous top ten, just so everyone just so everyone knows where we are. And if you haven't listened to the first episode 
um, of the three-part mock draft series, definitely go check that out. Yeah, you can do that on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. That's the Basement Talk Podcast. Correct. And make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star review and tell us how much you love the show. And since you're probably already here listening to the show, then you can just go to the previous episode and then it'll be right Correct. If you haven't listened to it already. Yeah. So my top 10 is Joe Burrow going to the Bengals. Washington's picking Chase Young. The Lions picking Jeff Okuda. The Giants picking Isaiah Simmons. The Dolphins picking Tua Tagovailoa. The Chargers picking Justin Herbert. The Panthers picking Derek Brown. The Cardinals picking Tristan Wirfs. The Jaguars picking Jerry Judy. And the Browns picking Mekhi Becton. So I have the Bengals taking Joe Burrow, number one overall, out of LSU. I have the Washington Redskins taking Chase Young out of The Ohio State. I have the Detroit Lions taking corner Jeff Okuda out of The Ohio State. I have the New York Football Giants taking Tristan Wirfs out of the University of Iowa. I have the Miami Dolphins selecting quarterback Justin Herbert out of the University of Oregon. I have the LA Chargers taking quarterback Tua Tagovailoa out of the University of Alabama. I have the Carolina Panthers selecting Isaiah Simmons, linebacker slash safety out of the University of Clemson. I have the Cardinals selecting Jedrick Wills out of Alabama. I have the Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars taking defensive tackle Derek Brown out of Auburn. And then the Cleveland Browns, I have taking Mekhi Becton out of Louisville. Cool. So then now we can move on to number 11. Correct. Fresh content. Fresh Fresh content, content, baby. Yes. The New York Jets in my mock draft. The New York Jets, my New York Jets are taking Andrew Thomas. Offensive tackle from Georgia. This This is definitely... One of the offensive tackles is one of the, is the pick for the Jets. I think we we have talked about this so many times, so many times at risk of repeating myself, talking about how the Jets should pick offensive tackles. Uh, Jedrick Willis is a name that has been appearing on a lot of mock drafts. Tristan Wirfs was a name that was appearing on a lot of mock drafts. I mean, I could definitely switch Jedrick Willis and Andrew Thomas, but. Andrew Thomas is definitely one of the best offensive tackles on the board here. And the Jets really need help on that offensive line. They need to give Sam Darnold more time to throw in the pocket. I don't think that getting a wide receiver, no matter how good Jerry Judy is, or CeeDee Lamb or Henry Ruggs III, no matter how good they are, I don't think a wide receiver is really worth it at this pick when you have so much, so much work to do on the offensive line. And that's kind of all I really have to say about that. So I I, I, I can appreciate that. I, and I think, you know, tackle is is the pick for me. But uh, based on what I have been hearing from around the Jets is that they the debate that the Jets seem to have right now is they believe that three tackles are going to go in front of them. And the real question is going to be, do the Jets take the number one receiver on their board or do they take the fourth best tackle, who in this case would be Andrew Thomas? I would have uh, mocked Mekhi Becton to the Jets if the Browns did not take him at number 10. So I put on my GM hat and I said, you know, who is who do I think the Jets number one receiver would be and then put him up against Andrew Thomas. And for me, 
I went with the number one receiver for the Jets, and I went and I have them taking CeeDee Lamb out of Oklahoma. And while he is not my number one receiver overall, I have that being Jerry Judy. I believe CeeDee Lamb does fit what the Jets are kind of looking for, looking for an explosive guy that can catch a ton of passes from Sam Darnold and really open up the field for the New York Jets. If you're looking for explosive, if you're looking for tall, lean, top-tier hands, really tough, and overall he had fantastic production uh, at Oklahoma, I think CeeDee Lamb is your guy. I don't – my problem with CeeDee Lamb that I really did see on uh, on tape is that his he doesn't have that top-tier speed, but when he knows the ball is coming to him – he can get on his horse, so I, I did really uh, like that. Uh, I think at the end of the day, it is going to come down to what the Jets feel they need more. Do they need that tackle more, or do they need a wide receiver? At the end of the day, I do have them going for the top receiver on the board. I am prepared to be wrong on this one, but that is just the way in my mock that I have it going. Well, that's interesting. I'm sure that a lot of Jets fans, if that were the pick, they would be very pissed. Jets tw- Jets Twitter would be basically set on fire if they picked CD Lamb over Jerry Judy. Probably because Jets Twitter only really cares about the 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 name value and like you know surface level sort of stuff. Well, I mean, I mean, but you look you look at the stats and and you look at everything that um that puts up CD Lamb against Jerry Judy. CeeDee Lamb was a very productive receiver last year, and again, this all comes back to the stigma that surrounds Big 12 receivers, that there's no defense played, that it's just open season for the offenses, the quarterback stats are padded, the wide receiver stats are padded, so it really just does, it does come down to how you view the Big 12 as a as an offensive conference, are those numbers padded or not, uh, but what I saw CeeDee Lamb on film, I, I, I really did like him, um, I'm not again. I'm not as big of a fan uh, of him as I am of Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Judy is the number one receiver in this class. But I've heard there are many, many people who believe that C.D. Lamb and Henry Ruggs, for that matter, are better overall prospects than Jerry Judy. I don't know why. I've spent pretty much the last 24 hours or so uh, going back and watching Jerry Judy's film versus C.D. Lamb and Henry Ruggs. I've watched the three of them pretty much side by side, and I, I still don't know what people see um, that makes uh, CeeDee Lamb or Henry Ruggs better than Jerry Judy. But for me, I'm going off of what I think the Jets really need. And after losing Robbie Anderson in free agency, I think they need that stud receiver that can come in and really stretch the field uh, for that offense. And hopefully, hopefully it won't get Sam Darnold killed. But yes, they have to go and invest in the offensive line. That has got to happen. Right, exactly. Because, I mean, hopefully hopefully Sam Darnold doesn't get injured again this uh, for the third straight season. Correct. Well, well, this past year, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't necessarily uh, injured. He just had to go around and kiss pretty women. Yeah. Because uh, Sammy, Sammy loves the ladies. Luke Falk. God, I hate it. I literally... <laughs> Trevor Simeon's ankle gives me PTSD. <laughs> that hit by Miles Garrett on Trevor Simeon, literally, I'm like, I almost wanted to puke. 
I was like, we're fucked. That's it. We're fucked. This season's over. <laughs> we have to go to we have to go to fucking New England next week. We're fucked. <laughs> you have to go to New England uh, with Luke. Yes. Falk. Yes, and uh, how did that turn out for you? Well, at least Jamal Adams got a pick six. This is true. Off of Jared Stidham. Off of Jar- off of future Patriots starting quarterback Jared Stidham. Correct. Maybe a sign of things to come. Maybe a sign you of never know. To come. I cannot wait. What, to maybe go to Foxborough and get a win in the regular season? Yeah, just win like 35-7. to seven. That'd be nice. Hey, hey, you cannot let the Patriots lose too much because we cannot have them getting Trevor Lawrence and then have them be successful for the next 10 to 15 years again. Well, I hope they go ten. I hope they go like six and ten. Six and ten. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm good with that. So that way they can't get Trevor Lawrence. I, I'm I'm good with that as long as they aren't getting Trevor Lawrence. You know what? Fine. I think the worst thing you can say is that I hope the worst thing you can say to a team is I hope you go eight and eight. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that that is that is off of uh, what it feels like. To go eight and eight, considering uh, Jason Garrett is the king of going eight and eight. Yeah, eight and eight sucks. Yeah. So anyway, because that just says that just says, well, you're not really shit, but you're not good enough to be a playoff team. So you're kind of stuck in the middle. You're not bad enough to get any of the good players in the draft, but but you're not good enough to be in the playoffs. Right. Oh boy. Remember. Remember those days of Jason Garrett? Remember, remember all the uh, all the times that I would uh, sit and say and hope that the Cowboys maybe would go out and be active in free agency, and they would wait till the second wave, and they would sign, you know, Joe Thomas from the Green Bay Packers to a one-year deal, and other guys that nobody's ever heard of that wouldn't even make the camp make the team at a training camp. Oh, those were the days. See, now you know what it's like to be a Jets fan. Welcome to the club, Bird. I, I I must I must but hey hey maybe um and I I I don't dare wish anybody lose their job and and get fired but I say this in a joking matter uh hopefully Joe Judge does not do uh, too many wonderful things with the Giants he gets fired and Jason Garrett becomes their head coach oh my God can you imagine that would be my dream come true can you imagine if Jason Garrett becomes the head coach of the Giants and then wins the Super Bowl. Let's not talk about it. Okay. Okay. That is that is, that that is my worst nightmare. Because I think I think if 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 Jerry Jones is still living, we would never hear the end of it. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go any further on this tangent about the Jets and the Cowboys, we have to we have a draft to we have a mock draft to worry about. And the next pick here is the Las Vegas Raiders. I literally almost, almost said Oakland. Still have to get used to Almost. That. Almost. But close only counts as horseshoes and hand grenades, Mr. Caster. So the Oakland Raiders, actually, coincidentally, are picking C.D. Lamb, wide receiver from Oklahoma. As was previously stated in the beginning of this uh, show, Jerry Judy went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So... Next, excuse me. Next best wide receiver on the board here is C.D. Lamb out of Oklahoma. Whoever said that Henry Ruggs is better than Jerry Judy is on something. 
I don't know what. They're in the same offense. Henry Ruggs III, I mean, 1A and 1B. But Jerry Judy was the best receiver in that offense. How on earth could Henry Ruggs III be the best receiver in, the, in that Alabama offense? I don't know. But it's a great question. For the purposes of the draft, C.D. Lamb is going to the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders have needed a, a number one style wide receiver ever since they traded away Amari Cooper to the Dallas Cowboys. They have Woo! their potential still. I don't know. I don't think Derek Carr has the potential to be a franchise quarterback. He has the potential to be a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback. They have a good quarterback in Derek Carr. And they have a potential franchise running back in Josh Jacobs now. And what they need is a wide receiver. And that is C.D. Lamb. I mean, they could definitely go on a, on defense here. They picked a defensive tackle in the last draft with Cleveland and Farrell. But uh, you know, this is a deep edge rusher class as well. They can go there. But really for this pick... C.D. Lamb is the pick. I also had the Raiders going receiver, and this is where Jerry Judy comes off the board. I think John Gruden has been looking for his go-to number one receiver. They tried to get that with Tyrell Williams last year in free agency. Obviously, he was nothing more than maybe a very good number two receiver, but he is not a go-to out-and-out elite receiver. And this is where I have Jerry Judy going uh, to the Las Vegas Raiders. And Jerry Judy is by far and away the best route runner in this class. Uh, that's one thing that I saw on film that really, really stood out. He is so quick off of the snap, so quick off the line. And that for me was just, it was noticeable right away. And his just his burst within the first five yards is is just insane. And he had corners really on a, on a shoestring. It, it's, it's, not even, it's not even a joke. Just how quick Jerry Judy can be one thing that I did see with him that maybe is the reason why he's dropping a little bit and maybe he's not in the same mold as as maybe Henry Ruggs or C.D. Lamb is in the in the eyes of some is because of the drops. He did have some lapses in concentration and did have some uh, a case of the yips, as uh, Mr. Adam Caster is, has been known to say in the past. I do love that word. Um, case of the yips, absolutely, but... When I look at Judy, I see a guy who can be, in the next three to four years, one of the top-tier receivers in the game based on his elite route-running abilities. You look at the top route-runners in the league. DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, Amari Cooper, Antonio Brown when he was in the league. What do they all have in common? They all were elite route-runners, and that is what Jerry Judy is. You can have him run any route in the route tree, and he will know it. He will do it to perfection. But you have to just get him over over the yips a little bit. But there is no doubt that Jerry Judy can be one of the very best receivers in football. He can be a star in the next two or three years. And I love, love, love this pick for the, for the Raiders. The one thing that I will say here, though, and this is something to look out for as we are seven days away from the draft. There are more and more teams that are getting very, very, very scared of Tua. And there are some people that even believe that Jordan Love could be selected above Tua Tagovailoa. Jordan Love, of course, the quarterback out of Utah State. Wouldn't shock me. 
wouldn't shock me either. But let's just do a Tua exercise, Adam, if you if you will humor me. I will. You look at the teams that need a quarterback right now. The Bengals, they're going to take Joe Burrow. The Dolphins, I have them taking Justin Herbert. The Chargers, I do have them taking Tua. But let's just say the Bengals... The Lions, who could who could use a quarterback, let's just say. The Giants don't need a quarterback. The Dolphins do need a quarterback. The Chargers do need a quarterback. Let's say those four teams stay put and don't take him. Outside of the Chargers now, where is Tua going? Maybe the Jaguars at nine, maybe the Raiders at twelve. But like that's the Raiders is the one spot that I'm looking at that I can say maybe that's where Tua goes. But you you look outside of the Chargers after that, you could see a Tua free fall. Well, here's the thing, I was actually you know looking at other mock drafts and after the top 10 i was like you know what i don't think jordan love is going to go anywhere in the first round after the top 10 it, it's a it's a fair point and there are people that love him and and i, I will get to jordan love um when he's when he's selected i do have him selected in the first round but there are i don't I, I did not see a lot of Jordan Love on tape that I really loved. See, here's the funny thing. I was, no pun intended. I'm, not, I'm just going to ignore that. <laughs> that pun. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. I was honestly shocked when I was like, are there really only like three teams that need a quarterback? Yeah. Is every team in the league just about set at quarterback this doesn't sound right this sounds fishy to me pretty much and 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 the rest that aren't you know that don't have a glaring hole then you look at the teams that are secondary that need quarterbacks maybe the Steelers the Saints um the Packers the Titans maybe I don't think but, the Titans you know, draft you, a quarterback they just signed Ryan Tannehill to that huge extension Right, but contract. what if it doesn't pan? What if it doesn't pan out? You know, and, and you want to have a and you want to have a backup plan. Um, I mean, he. I mean, here's a team. I I know you don't want want me to say this, but I think if if Tua starts to fall, and you know you're getting into the late teens, and Tua is still there. Granted, I just want to put this out there. I don't think it'll happen. I do think Tua will be okay just based on his pure talent, but oh God, I feel, just based on word that I'm hearing. I feel like I know where you're going with this, and I hate it. Yeah, I think you do. How about the Patriots trading up and taking Tua? They would never do that. They would never do it because it is out of Bill Belichick's DNA to trade up. But they need a quarterback. They need a quarterback, and if Tua is right, you're you're talking about possibly one of the one of the most talented quarter. You're talking about maybe the most talented quarterback in this class, if he's right. So 
Well, here's the thing. I, I, I think mean, that the Patriots probably wouldn't even need to trade up for Tua. You never know. You ne- you never know because you, you look at other teams that are in the range in the area, the Patriots, the Saints, um, the Packers. Those are all teams that could trade up if they see Tua that need insurance plans just in case. You know, if Drew Brees retires after the season, what happens there? Are they really going to run with Taysom Hill at quarterback? I don't think so. Uh, the Packers, look at what they did with Brett Favre when they drafted Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers' free fall. They did the same thing here. They could do the same thing with Tua. So, and maybe and maybe if the, if the Steelers want to mortgage their future, if they want to trade up for Tua after the uh, the failed experiment with uh, Devlin Hodges and uh, Mason Rudolph, to know that they have a top-tier guy behind Ben Roethlisberger just in case uh, Big Ben does fall apart again. You, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be so fascinating what happens if Tua goes outside of the top six or seven and is not drafted. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. But if it does, holy God. I think I'd cry. If the if the Patriots trade up traded up to draft Tua, <sighs> I'd probably cry. Yeah, like this is not holy, happening. Holy crap! Well, I don't even know how we got into talking to talking about Tua, but um, I'm that was a very productive conversation. I'm very glad we had that. Me too. We were talking about Jordan Love, honestly. Yeah, we were talking about Jordan Love. We were talking about Jordan Love. You're we right. Talked about Tua. Yes, correct. But it'll be. Oh, it'll be so fascinating. The funny thing is, I don't if, even remember who your pick was for the Raiders. Uh, Jerry Judy. Oh, right. It's been so Miss, long. <laughs> Mr. Judy. Mr. Judy. It's been a long 10 minutes that we've been doing this. That we've been it, talking it about has. this. I just it has, yes. I was like, who the hell did Bird even say? <laughs> I see we are uh, we are more prone to uh, going on tangents, knowing that you are uh, that you are not editing the podcast today, so you are completely okay with going on uh, super long tangents. I, I I see how you operate there, Mister Caster. I mean, if you look at the tape, if you look at the audio, I think mm-hmm. you you would be the one that would be talking during most of it, during mm-hmm. most of the tangent. So I'll... okay, okay. Well, I'm going to review the tape. I'm going to review the tape, and I will let you know when I come back. All right, we'll do. So next up, after that very long break, we're moving on to number 13, and it's the San Francisco 49ers. And Henry Ruggs III is my pick for them. You know, this this just makes sense. This is the wide receiver. Uh, the 49ers are a team that needs wide receiver help. They and uh, the top two wide receivers on both of our boards are gone. So Henry Ruggs III is a logical spot for or a logical pick for the 49ers because that they just need it. They need that that sort of help. They traded for Emmanuel Sanders uh, halfway through last season. He was serviceable, but Henry Ruggs III has the potential to be like a number one sort of wide receiver here for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. And honestly, they have a solid you know running back committee there but the one part of their offense is they need wide receivers they have a great tight end as well and george kittle one of the best in the league but they need outside options and uh henry rooks the third is going to be could be that guy for them 
So the the player comparison that I made for Henry Ruggs is that he is the closest thing to Tyreek Hill that will be in this league because he is his speed is he can blow by anybody. He ran a four two seven forty at the combine. Uh, he he's quick. He's quick, and you could put him anywhere on the field. And I think that Henry Ruggs has a real chance to dominate. And I you know I I came into the draft process. I really wasn't a big fan of his because um, people who listen to this podcast will be well aware that I'm not the biggest Tyreek Hill uh, fan. Nothing to do with his off the field situation, more to do with, you know, the football player. I don't think he's, uh, he's the, you know, the, the talented all around, you know, elite receiver that people think he is, but I digress. There was, there's no denying that Tyreek Hill has top notch speed and that he is the fastest receiver in football. Henry Ruggs would come in and he would be at that level with Tyreek Hill. And that is the one thing on tape that he, there were, there weren't corners that can keep up with him. Honestly, there were no corners that I saw on film uh, with Henry Ruggs that could really keep up with him. And he is just, he is outstanding off of the line. His ability on jet sweeps, which Alabama loved to run with him. He just, again, he blew by defenders and he also provides value in the kick return game. So he is what I project him to be is I project him to be an absolute matchup nightmare every single week. And you put him on the team that just went to the freaking Super Bowl. Ooh, good luck. Good luck. Well, we saw with Tyree Kill in the Super Bowl, that could be the thing for the 49ers if they draft somebody like Henry Ruggs III. Yes, and full disclosure, I don't think I said this. Um, I do have the 49ers taking Henry Ruggs as well. Well, it's a good thing that you just said it. Because I mean, it's implied. It was kind of implied, but it was kind of implied. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if I said it, but um, yeah. Just full disclosure, I do have the uh, the Forty ers taking Henry Ruggs as well. Okay, so moving on to number fourteen, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting some offensive line help to protect their new golden boy and Tom Brady, Jedrick Wills Jr. The slide for Jedrick Wills Jr. has ended. Offensive tackle. Alabama he is considered by some to be uh, one of the best tackles in the draft he's at least in the top four and to some he's probably one of the one or two best tackles in the draft with either uh, with Tristan Wirfs and uh, Makai Beckton excuse me Makai Beckton my my words they just got messed up there you go good job I don't know how this works so, he, yeah, he could be one of the uh, top tackles in the draft with Tristan Wirfs, Makai Becton, and Andrew Thomas. And as far as my draft is concerned, all three of those tackles have been drafted. So, Jedrick Wills Jr. is the pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Plus, the top three wide receivers have been drafted. And wide receiver isn't too much of a need, isn't as much of a need for Tampa Bay as it is for the teams picking before them. So, I think... They're going to swoop on to swoop into this opportunity to pick one of the best offensive tackles in the draft in Jedrick Wills Jr. So Adam, I am right in your alley. Uh, I have the Bucks taking uh, a tackle, but I have them taking, of course, the last available tackle on the board that would be considered in the top four of those tackles, and that is Andrew Thomas, uh, the junior out of Georgia. Um, 
the Bucks have to protect Tom Brady. That has been known now since I think even when Jameis was the quarterback that the Bucks had to go offensive line and protect whomever the quarterback was. Now that it's the greatest quarterback of all time, that need has only been exemplified even more. Um, the thing with Andrew Thomas for me is I saw a lot of he, – he's raw. He's a raw prospect, but he's thick. He has – he can barrel over people. But I saw too many times with him where I saw him just on the ground because he got just blown by. And that is something that he's going to have to work on, especially in a division where you're looking now at Cam Fowler, who's going to be running at him. Cameron Jordan will be running at him. So he's got to improve on that. There are there are teams out there that I know of that do view Andrew Thomas as a guard more so than, than as a tackle. I don't subscribe to that theory. I think he is a tackle and could do a pretty good job at tackle. It depends on where you want to put him. You can put him on the right. I personally view him as a left tackle. Um, in any event, I think Andrew Thomas, he is the pick for the Bucks based on he's the last of those elite tackles left. But if the Jets do decide to take Andrew Thomas here, I would not be surprised one bit if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers decide, you know what, let's gun-ho this, fuck it, and they take one of those receivers. It would not shock me one yeah, well, that would be a knock-on effect if the Jets, in your mock draft, take Andrew Thomas because then you potentially have the Raiders taking... Um, well, you'd have different receivers going in different places, but yeah. Correct, he, correct. I, 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 I would still have the Raiders taking Judy. I would still have the 49ers taking Ruggs, and I think I would just have the Buccaneers taking CeeDee Lamb. So I think in any event... It really would just be Andrew Thomas swapping with C.D. Lamb. All right, and you, you just move, and then you just move Chris Godwin inside. So then you'd have C.D. Lamb, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin well, for Tom Brady to throw to. Well, if you know if they took if they got Henry Ruggs, they would just be drafting Deshaun Jackson, but younger. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, but still, yeah, any 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 of those receivers, if you put them in the Bucks offense, holy hell, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Uh, Good luck to the rest of the NFC South. Tom Brady with receivers is very scary. Yeah, and then you have to include uh, O.J. Howard and uh, Cameron Bray because, of course, Tom Brady loves throwing to to, uh, tight ends. I mean, unless Tom Brady brought his playbook back from uh, New England when he signed with Tampa Bay, hopefully. I mean, I don't know if Bruce – I don't know what Bruce Arians is going to do with the the offense there when I'm sure he's going to try – in some way to uh, placate it around Tom, what Tom Brady loves to do, and that's to throw three-yard passes and just let all of his receivers do the work. Yeah, I I would assume that those tight ends are going to be more involved than they were in, in years past because we have seen Bruce Arians' offenses in uh, recent seasons not really include the tight ends much, and I think that is about to change. Well, I think, yeah. Well, at least when he was with the Cardinals, he didn't have – great tight ends anyway true true very true he had i mean he had uh great tight ends when he was an assistant for the colts and also uh with the steelers as well but that's uh here we are getting off topic again because we we still have more picks 
Here we go. Number 15, <laughs> the Denver Broncos are taking a wide receiver as well. Hmm. Justin Jefferson, wide receiver for Whoa! LSU. Wow. Yep, that is correct. Yowie, wowie. He's the fourth best receiver on the board for for me and for a lot of people who make a living uh, analyzing draft prospects here. And it's not it's not a secret that the Broncos need wide receiver help. They, at least for the time being, they have their solution at quarterback in Drew Locke. But and they have a solid tandem of running backs with Phil Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, and Royce Freeman. But now to complete the offense here, they need a wide receiver, a a top wide receiver in Justin Jefferson. And frankly, the Bron- this is an opportunity for the Broncos. They could have they could have traded up also to get one of the tackles because tackle is definitely a big need for them. And where they're picking in the draft, at least as far as our drafts, as far as our mocks are concerned, they would have been nowhere near getting the best tackles on the market or on the board. So you can definitely see that like a trade going down here. But as far as this is concerned, where there are no trades, wide receiver is where they need to go here. And Justin Jefferson's the pick. See, I disagree with you. I don't think they need to go wide receiver at all. I, I, I think the one glaring hole for the, the Broncos, they can go two different directions. I think they can go Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina, defensive tackle. Or they can go the direction that I have them going in. That is C.J. Henderson, the corner out of Florida, to replace Chris Harris. He is a natural replacement for Chris Harris. I think he is the best uh, man-to-man corner in this draft. And it, when I watched him on film, he is extremely explosive off the ball. He is very, very athletic. He ran a 4-3-9-40 at the combine, so he is very quick as well. The one thing about his game that definitely needs work is his overall tackling. There were too many times where he just did not have the correct technique, and he just got completely shoved off, and bam, that was that was just daylight. You know, a simple five-yard completion would turn into 10, 15 yards very easily just because of C.J. Henderson and his overall raw ability to tackle, but I think when I look at C.J. Henderson, I see a guy that makes a ton of plays on the ball. I see a guy that is man that man, in man-to-man, he is fantastic. And he again, he is the best man-to-man corner in this draft. I think at the end of this, if you get him into a situation where he can go and he can go to a place that will teach him how to correctly tackle, like Denver, who has Vic Fangio, and of course he is a defensive-minded head coach, I think that is going to help C.J. Henderson a whole hell of a lot in terms of his overall development, I think he can be the number one corner to come out of this class in the next four to five years. We're talking about C.J. Henderson as a star in this league, and I think the Denver Broncos are getting a steal here at 15 with C.J. Henderson, the corner out of Florida. Okay. Well, it's kind of funny that the two players that you mentioned were were right around the same area that I had them being drafted in my mock. And with that, the Falcons at number 16, I have them picking Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle from South Carolina. And, I mean, this is a hole for Atlanta. They need someone to pair up with Grady Jarrett. He's not an edge rusher like they lost in Vic Beasley. But I think as a, as a run stopper, 
uh, Javon Kinlaw is, uh, is, is that kind of guy. He's the kind of pick for the Atlanta Falcons that they could use to uh, help improve their defense, which really wasn't that great against the run or the pass, but mainly against against the run here. And yeah, that's why I think Javon Kinlaw is the pick for the Atlanta Falcons. So I also have Javon Kinlaw as the, as the pick for the Atlanta Falcons. And this is pretty simple uh, to me. After they miss out on uh, taking CJ Henderson, they end up settling, settling air quotes with Javon Kinlaw, who I think has Pro Bowl written all over him. He, he is a little weak in terms of what kind of moves that he has in his arsenal, but I think you put him with Dan Quinn, again, another defensive coach, and you're putting him in the right situation in Atlanta, right next to Grady Jarrett, right next to Cam Fowler on that defensive line. Look out, because I think Javon Kinlaw, like I said, has Pro Bowl written all over him. But the one thing that I did want to point out with this Falcons pick is over the course of the last 24 to 48 hours, there have been rumblings that the Falcons are looking into uh, trading up. So there is that. And the last time that the Falcons decided to go ahead and trade up in the draft, you know, in a, in a big, big way, they ended up giving a, boat, boat, a boatload of picks to Cleveland to go get a wide receiver out of Alabama. And it is not the one that they had just drafted two years ago. It's the one that now is one of the best receivers in football in Julio Jones. So um, the Falcons clearly do have something in mind in terms of what they are going to go up to get. Um, but if they do decide to stay put, uh, I think Javon Kinlaw would be an outstanding addition to that defensive line and would really, really cause a ton of problems uh, for uh, opposition to uh, try and contain that defensive line, which automatically would become one of the best uh, in the NFC and if not in the National Football League as well. Yeah. That's a, I mean, it's a great rationale there. I think C.J. Henderson definitely could have been that pick for the yeah. Atlanta Falcons, but you know, for me, yeah, I mean, oh, yep, I'm I'm with you, Adam, a hundred percent. I think it for me, it really did come down to uh, Kinlaw versus versus Henderson, but at the end of the day, the fit with Henderson in Denver just made a ton of sense, and then Kinlaw uh, slides to Atlanta. And Dallas is licking their wounds at 17 because they really thought they were going to get uh, Javon Kinlaw. Well, I think that who the Cowboys are getting in my mock draft is pretty solid constellation. And that is CJ Henderson, the cornerback from from Florida. So this guy, I would, I, I hope, I hope you're right. I'm sure you do. That's who I want. Yeah. That's who I want. So I hope you're right. So, much like what Bird said about C.J. Henderson and the Broncos, it's basically the same sort of situation where the Cowboys lost their number one corner in free agency, Byron Jones, and they are plugging that hole with the best corner in the draft, and that's C.J. Henderson. And I agree with you, Bird. He could be one of the best corners to come out of this draft, and if not the best corner to come out of this draft. And honestly, for your sake, as a Cowboys fan, I'm sure you hope that that is the case as well. I'm praying. I'm praying hard to whatever to whatever God is going to listen. I am praying that C.J. Henderson is there at 17. But unfortunately, uh, C.J. Henderson in my mock draft is gone. So I had to go a different route 
and I'm going for the best available edge rusher, and that is Calevon Chason, uh, the redshirt sophomore out of LSU, and he is explosive. He is very athletic. He's got very long arms, and on tape, it was something that I saw in spurts. Uh, he's very, very raw, so that is something that I believe that Dallas is really going to have to work on with him. Uh, the pick definitely does scare me because the last time that Dallas took a raw edge rusher, uh, that guy was named uh, Taco Charlton, so that was that didn't work out too well. Um, but in any event, he's quick. He has great ability coming around the edge, and I think as a compliment next to Demarcus Lawrence as the two edge rushers for that Dallas defense, I think Chason could really be an interesting, interesting addition uh, to what Dallas is trying to do as an obvious replacement for Robert Quinn. I am hoping as a Cowboys fan that they are able to go with Henderson because I believe he is a more, he is a cleaner, more polished prospect than Chason is, but we have to settle for arguably the, uh, the most, but the, the edge rusher with the most potential at, at this spot in the draft. And that of course is uh, Caleb on chase on. So that is who I have Dallas going with at 17. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it is of course, CJ Henderson. Right. And moving to number 18 here, we have the second of the dolphins, three first round picks. Wow. Incredible. And they are not done. They're not done trying to strengthen up their secondary. They already signed the best corner on the market in Byron Jones. Now they have that that incredible corner tandem with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. And now they're going to get someone whose first name sounds very similar, and that's Xavier McKinley, the safety out of Alabama. And this is the kind of pick that really for a team that is looking to um, improve their secondary and a team that has another first round pick, they can, I mean, they can fill their needs in just about any order they want. I mean, obviously they're going to want to pick a quarterback with their first first round pick, but with the second and third, they can go with somebody like Xavier McKinley. And then with 26, they can uh, try and get some help on their offensive line because this is a deep offensive line class as well. So that's why I think Xavier McKinley here, or McKinney, is the pick for the Miami Dolphins. I also have Xavier McKinney going to uh, to the Dolphins. And the one thing that um, definitely makes me draw to McKinney as this pick is he's very versatile. He can play either safety spot and he can also play nickel corner if need be. I believe that he is best utilized as a safety. And again, you put Xavier McKinney with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones in that secondary. You're talking about three absolute ballers in that secondary for Miami. And he can make plays on the ball. He's His hips are very, very fluid, which on tape that was very obvious. He can be utilized as a blitzer on safety blitzes. So that is something that Brian Flores, I'm sure, has taken note of. And he can come in and properly utilize with Xavier McKinney. I think that this is a home run pick for the Miami Dolphins in terms of getting them back to where 
they want to be in terms of contending. They did it last year in terms of the hiring of Brian Flores. He quickly uh, became one of the most underrated head coaches in the league, and I believe that he has the ability to become one of the best head coaches in the league. And the the off season, the strong offseason that the Dolphins have will continue here with Xavier McKinney going 18 after they take Justin Herbert for me, number five overall. So they get their quarterback of the future, and they get someone that can contribute immediately on their defense. Right, exactly. And the secondary bonanza is not done with my with the Raiders picking at 19. And for me, they're picking Antoine Winfield Jr., the cornerback from Minnesota. As much as I would have wanted him to go to the Vikings for thematic reasons, because his uh, his dear dad, dear old dad had a great career with the Minnesota Vikings. He's filling a great need for the Las Vegas Raiders because how many years have the Raiders been trying to draft corners in the first round where whether it be Garyon Conley or like Garyon Conley where they're trying to fill a need and their secondary almost has gotten worse <laughs> as a result. It's it's kind of ridiculous. The the Raiders have like notoriously have had a have had a poor secondary for the past couple of years now, and Antoine Whitfield Jr. is the kind of guy that can really help rectify that issue. So that's why Antoine Winfield here is the pick for me, and for the Raiders. So I am going with AJ Terrell, the corner out of Clemson, the junior. Um, obviously for me, what drew me to AJ Terrell is he gets now the opportunity to go back and play with his former college teammate in Trayvon Mullen, who was selected in the second round last year by the then Oakland Raiders. And now AJ Terrell is going to be selected in the first round at 19th overall by the Las Vegas Raiders. He's a tall, slender cornerback prospect. So, of course, the Raiders do have their affinity for tall corners, and now John Gruden and Mike Mayock get their hands on one. They also have an affinity for prospects out of the University of Clemson. See last year with them taking Cleland Farrell at number four overall. Um, he, I think what I saw on film is that he doesn't strike me as a number one shutdown corner, but can he be a very solid number two corner that can really be solid in coverage? is not going to take a ton of penalties and is smart. Yes, I think he can be. And that is why I have AJ Terrell going 19 to the Las Vegas Raiders, because it has been proven time and time again that Mike Mayock and John Gruden, while they may not be looking for the best players available, they're looking for the ones that are going to fit their program and are going to be smart. And AJ Terrell definitely is that he is a smart, smart football player and there's no doubt that he would go into Las Vegas and he would be a much-needed addition to the secondary, and he is my pick for the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, great. I I mean, that's a solid pick. You know, it's filling a need. A.J. Terrell and uh, Antoine Whitfield Jr. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for the Raiders' sake. Two pieces, two secondary selections. So I think we're uh, we're in the same sort of ballpark in terms of what we think the Raiders are going to try and uh, try and address for uh, for next season, but you you put in whether it's going to be Winfield, whether it's going to be Terrell, whether it's the next guy that's coming off of my board who we'll get to in a second, 
but you have Mullen there, and you have Jonathan Abrams there, who did not play at all last year, who was one of their first-round picks in the 2019 NFL Draft. So uh, definitely a influx of youth is uh, coming to the secondary for the Las Vegas Raiders. Right, exactly. And for the Jacksonville Jaguars, picking with their second first-round pick of the 2020 draft, you know, honestly, it's funny because I think Bird kind of foreshadowed this when we were talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars last episode. And I'm surprised that he mentioned this person by name. Josh Jones, offensive tackle from Houston. We talked about how Jacksonville could definitely use a tackle. And I think, Bird, you had them picking a tackle, correct? At nine? Correct. No, I had them taking a um, – I had them taking Derek Brown. Oh, right. So you have them taking Derek Brown. But we did talk about how yes. they could use a tackle for that offensive line. Correct. Correct. And you literally mentioned by name Josh Jones. I was like, well, you know, I guess I can't really say yet that I that's exactly where I have the Jaguars picking, or that's exactly who I have the Jaguars picking, Joshua Jones. And for a, a player that is definitely – uh, I mean, he's on the periphery when you're talking about offensive tackles in the draft, but he's still he's still a solid pick. He's still solid enough to go into the first round. And this is going to be the kind of pick the jet that Jacksonville is going to want to make to try and improve that offensive line, make it, make it easier for them to run the football with Leonard Fournette, et cetera, et cetera. So, Bird, what are your thoughts? Who do you have Jacksonville picking at number twenty? So I have them going to replace the outgoing, of course, Jalen Ramsey, who already has been uh, has been long gone from Jacksonville, and of course AJ Boye, who was sent to the Denver Broncos. I have them going with Christian Fulton, the corner out of LSU, and he's got good size for the position. He's very fluid, he's very smart, and he's very competitive. But the problem with Fulton that I have is that he just lacks that elite top tier speed, and he sometimes just misjudges balls that are in flight, so that is something that he'll have to work on with his drafted team. But the bottom line is the Jacksonville Jaguars do need help in their secondary, and I think this is where that that starts by taking Christian Fulton. While he is a raw prospect, while he has a lot to work on, I'll take a bet on his overall toughness as a player and say that he can go into Jacksonville and be someone that can contribute for them, maybe not as an elite shutdown corner, but as someone that can definitely get the job done. I have him, actually, as player comp, I have him compared to Brandon Carr in that sort of mold. So if they can get a Brandon Carr in Jacksonville, I think they will take that all day and twice on Sunday at 20th overall in uh, in the first round. Well, I agree. If you're going to draft a, a player that had a sustained great career, like Brandon Carr, I would take it in a heartbeat. 100%. And he's a winner, too. Just won the national championship with uh, with LSU. And for, for what it's worth, when he went up against uh, T. Higgins from Clemson, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and C.D. Lamb, he allowed three catches for 39 yards when they were in coverage against him. That's it. So, he, he, he has the ability. He has the ability, but it's just a matter of putting it together. Yep, you're right. You're definitely right. So, we're, we've reached the end, the final pick 
of the second part of our mock draft. At 21, we have the Philadelphia Eagles, and I have them picking Patrick Queen, inside linebacker from USC. And this is this is definitely a need for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, you, you look at the Eagles and you say, you know, there really aren't too many needs outside of corner, really, for Philadelphia. And even then, they did just trade for Darius Slay. So really their big need on defense is inside linebacker because they you know they need somebody like that like a leader in their defense and I think you know Patrick Queen is that kind of guy and that's why I think Patrick Queen is going to be going to the Philadelphia Eagles at number 21. So I have the Eagles going with Justin Jefferson the wide receiver out of LSU uh with this pick the Eagles absolutely need to draft a wide receiver in this in this class there's no doubt about it losing Nelson Aguilar having Alshon Jeffrey who could still be traded and then outside of that the only real legitimate option that you have is Greg Ward so uh, it is very clear that the Eagles have to go ahead and draft a receiver they also have Deshaun Jackson but you know he's on the wrong side of 30 so Justin Jefferson what does he provide he could be a slot receiver. He can line up out wide. You put him anywhere, he'll do a job. He's an outstanding route runner. That's something that was on display all year long when he was catching passes, of course, from the number one pick in this draft, Joe Burrow. He is outstanding when he is in double coverage, and that is something that I saw a lot of on film, that when he is being draped by a corner and by a safety, he still can get the job done. He has very soft hands. He works really well in traffic. And he prepares himself for hits. He has a very keen football sense. And that is something on film that I saw a lot of. That he just didn't take a lot of huge shots. Because he was prepared to be hit in certain situations. Yet he was still able to make the football play. And that was something on film that really struck me. And says he is the fourth best receiver in this draft. He is not anywhere near a Ruggs or Judy or a CeeDee Lamb. But in terms of the... B, the tier B, tier two, whatever you want to call it, group of receivers, Justin Jefferson is at the top. So if the Eagles do get their hands on Justin Jefferson, they will be a very, very happy group in Philadelphia because they definitely need to get more weapons for Carson Wentz outside of Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, and of course Dallas Goddard in the well, passing game. Yep. Well, I'll tell you this. Now that you just said that there's a chance that Alshon Jeffrey might get traded, you you can guarantee that while you're editing editing the show that Alshon Jeffrey's going to get traded. I hope to God not. I mean, if he is, I hope he gets traded to the Jets. I'll say that. I mean, why? What do you mean, why? Why? Why would you want Alshon Jeffrey when he's hurt every year? I mean, he's a wide receiver. He's a good okay. He's a good wide receiver. Okay, he's a good wide receiver that maybe will play ten games for you. Hey, it's more it's more than you might get at Quincy and Nunla, so it's something. Well, I think if they get if they don't give up too much for him, then I'd be fine with Alshon Jeffrey. That's fair. I mean, I wouldn't want the Jets to give up the eleventh overall pick for Alshon Jeffrey, because I would I'd be like, no, that would be awful. <laughs> maybe maybe like a third round pick. Or a fourth round pick. I mean, I would do, like honestly. I'm surprised. I, w- I would love to see 
how far the Jets got in the Brandon Cooks trade sweepstakes, what they were willing to offer. The Not a second-round pick, I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, definitely not. Well, you know, when you see when Joe Douglas is the kind of guy that he he has a line whenever he's in negotiations and he he does not step over that line. It's a it's a hard cap on what on what he's willing to offer for somebody for any player, whether it be trades or free agency or otherwise. But uh, what do you think about this the second part of the draft? Do you think a lot of the teams here, they, they got what they what they were looking for? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm really hoping that the Cowboys don't have to take uh, Chase on and they can uh, get their hands on Kinlaw or on Henderson. I thought I had Kinlaw ranked a little low in my mock. I think that he might go a little higher than this. There are some people that are talking about him potentially being in and around the top 10. Um, but other than that, I'm, I'm pretty happy with uh, with how the mock went. And uh, we will wrap this thing up on uh, on Tuesday and then sit back, relax, and enjoy the show on Thursday night, week from today. Very exciting. Very, very, very exciting. The first little bit of sports that we'll have. And yep, it won't even be a game. I would love to see how they, how they do it, how they do the TV coverage of that. If they... Uh- how they're going to have all of the, uh, I don't know if they're going to have all the general managers on video chat or something. I don't know. Um, I think the way that they were talking about doing it was that there's going to be a lot, they're going to be a whole bunch of different phone lines set up where one line is to report trades. The other line is to report your picks. The other line, you know, is for this and this and that. Um, but it's gonna be it's gonna be very very interesting to see uh, how it is uh, how it is conducted, and I bet the uh, the cybersecurity team for uh, the NFL is just going to be on full alert that night. Oh yeah, people are gonna try and hack it. And oh hell yeah! See who is uh, like listen to trade negotiations, things like that. See try and see who's gonna be picked. No the... doubt. No doubt. No doubt about it. Yep. But anyway, yeah, I thought this was a, this was a solid second part here. I think a lot of teams definitely got the players that they were looking for. I hope that the Jets pick the pick at least an offensive tackle, whether it be Andrew Thomas or Jedrick Willis Jr. And yeah, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basement Talk podcast. You can find all previous episodes of the Basement Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And that is just the Basement Talk Podcast. Please listen and leave us a five-star review. Pretty please. Pretty please. And next Tuesday, we will be finishing up our mock draft with picks 22 to 32. So that is Vikings to Chiefs with one more Vikings sprinkled in for good measure. And we will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.